0: good cook so like if he could express me like some ribs or something i wouldn't turn that down on the other hand i also feel like anytime anyone makes me food it's better than what i can make so all i need to go is do you know subway for lunch and i'm happy
1: i'm sorry i'm still hung up on the idea of someone sending you ribs that sounds so amazing
2: (laughs) (laughs) the decadence
1: i know (laughs) i mean theoretically you could just do that with famous daves it's not homemade ribs but you know no it has to be made with love (laughs) <laughs> that's what makes up for the meat not having a soul inside of it any longer when does the soul leave the animal because I feel
0: like is that why food is better Fucking fresh <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was trying to gauge my own opinion because I'm like yeah I, I feel like if, if there's a soul it would probably depart as soon as the thing is killed
1: that, that's what you I think assume... but on okay. the other hand like, imagine then if you get to eat something with the soul in it does it taste better do you have to eat something alive. You realize this is the line of thinking that led to Renfield, right? <laughs> the blood is the life. I could just eat enough souls to become a mega soul, <laughs> if I build mega up.
2: soul,
0: mega soul, doesn't that that sounds like it'd be a fun horror movie?
1: We have to stop him before he becomes the mega soul, <laughs> the ultimate ghost. <laughs> My God, that's a plot. The ghosts of America are disappearing. <laughs> They're being absorbed by the mega soul.
0: The Ghostbusters are pissed because they're supposed to deliver a bunch of ghosts to uh, the remake of the remake of House on Haunted Hill, and they don't have any ghosts.
1: But I feel like that's like the stupids thinking people stole their garbage. I love the idea of a movie set piece about stealing canisters of ghosts. <laughs> and why wasn't that Ghostbusters two? Dear
0: God! Wow. Honestly, yeah. Forget Ghostbusters and Hell. Make that Ghostbusters three. It's a heist movie. Ghosts are currency now. How many <laughs> grandmas can you
1: buy?
2: <laughs> God, that's decadence buying a cake with ghosts.
1: <laughs> but that's so sad for grandma. Like, oh, you're just waiting for me to die so you can use my soul to buy weed, aren't you? Just oh, thinking, uh, or
2: worse, just a couch.
0: It could be a social commentary. People in the future are like, hmm, well, this soul only worth three-fifths of a normal soul. Surprisingly, that one wasn't about race. It was actually because that one was a child. He wasn't fully grown.
1: <laughs> I like how I brought that up, and then I remembered, oh yeah, that's just a thing on Preacher. Stealing souls to sell as currency? Preacher's a weird fucking show, man. <laughs> I'm just really disappointed someone else beat us to the punch on this. This was a great idea. <laughs> Damn. God, speaking of uh, movie premises. So this is something that's been going on the past couple of days. So... My friend's weed dealer went missing. Uh, It turns out he was just sick and not answering his phone for a couple of days.
2: I was hoping Pineapple Express 2 was taking place.
1: Close. (laughs) (laughs) She was super, super concerned. And because we all work together, she texted me to please go around the store and look for him so she'd know he was okay and could still provide weed. And you better believe I took her up on that and gumshoe Jamie patrolled Walmart getting leads and asking people (laughs) if they would seen her weed dealer. And I found him, guys.
2: Can you open up a detective agency
1: now? Technically, you have a resume. All I can think is, why isn't this the premise for the shittiest noir ever? My weed dealer has gone missing. Time to canvas the streets.
0: <laughs> so there's Southern Gothic. Is there Southern Nor? Because I feel like that would be a, a canon entry. I think so, right?
2: actually. I feel like I've heard that phrase or something. I don't need to start the episode on Star Wars. Here's Johnny. I'll be back.
3: You will know! My name is the I'm here! i here! I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Groovy. Welcome,
0: ladies and gentlemen, to Box Office Pulp, your one podcast stop for movies, madness, and moxie. I'm your big shot host, Cody, and I'm putting together a crew. Jamie, my four-armed Ardenian pilot, are you in? I'm dead. Yes, you are. And Mike! My co-host with possibly too many capes. How about you? I
2: should have been the star.
0: It might have helped. Anyways, if you haven't gathered, today we're here to talk about Solo, a Star Wars story. One of, uh, I'm going to say, 10,000 Star Wars spin-off films that will be hitting theaters in the next decade. Or not. It's hard to tell. All that snark aside, I actually really enjoyed Solo, and I was not
1: expecting that when I went into theaters. And I have a feeling a lot of people have that same opinion. It's a movie that seemed to have everything stacked against it from the onset, both from its premise to its troubled production history. Right. Even even like when we had none
0: of that knowledge, like none of the production knowledge, it still seemed like a poor idea. Like who wants to see Solo as a kid? Who wants to see someone that's not Harrison Ford be Solo? Who wants to see him make the Kessel Run meet Chewbacca for the first time? It's it feels like all the content we'd normally get in an expanded universe story just thrown up on screen, which is a very odd choice. But yet, through all of this, I had a ton of fun. Like, I I agree with almost all the complaints about the movie. It feels very inconsequential. But I saw it twice. Uh, I had a good time. I really love the set pieces. I think the characters were a lot of fun. And if for some reason they ever decide to do Solo 2, which box office-wise seems unlikely, I would check it out again.
2: It's interesting. I went in... Wanting to at least walk away, going, well, you know, I I saw a, an okay Star Wars movie. There's worst ways for me to spend an afternoon, but I, I end up walking away, really saying that was I had a lot of fun with that. I, I actually really quite enjoyed that. There's a lot of asterisks next to that statement, but yeah, I mean, it's like I'd watch it again and again after that, and. I'd watch more of this dude playing Han Solo, which is more than I could have said before going in.
1: Yeah, how shocking is it that that guy, that man who I don't think has a name, is actually really good as Han Solo?
0: I'm I'm terrified I'm going to say his name wrong, so I, I've just been avoiding it.
2: I, okay, every time I see his name in my head, it it's not this, but it's Heidenreich. <laughs> Which is the name of a shitty wrestler from, like, the early to mid-2000s, and that's just what his name is, Heidenreich.
0: It's more He's... on the back of the throat. Heik. Heik. Uh, he
1: sounds like a Wolfenstein villain. A oh, Wolfenstein villain.
0: It's... I am the Fourth Reich. Uh, someone please correct me if this is very wrong, internet people. Uh, Alden Ehrenreich. My spell check doesn't believe the last name is spelled correctly, so my pronunciation could be very wrong, or it could be right, and my pronunciation is very wrong. I don't know, but I might just call him Han Solo forever, which is unfortunate to Harrison Ford, but he's got other roles. I can just
2: call him Deckard. Yeah, this guy will never have anything else. I, I hope not. I really enjoyed the I mean, I hope not so either, far. but, you know, let's face it, it's. He picked Han Solo in this particular film, in this particular release window.
0: I mean, the other guys are gonna be fine. No one's gonna be like, "Well, Woody Harrelson, poof, he was just in Solo." <laughs> he threw it all away on Star Wars. Right? Yeah, I, f- I feel like if the
1: other guys can get out. He can he can get out? Maybe.
2: I mean, I hope I, so,
1: but let's face it, it's it's questionable. I feel like he's got a good TV career in front of him. Ouch. Spin City Two.
2: <laughs> that was a weird pull on my part, wasn't it?
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> I want to see uh, it. Oh, Michael so J. Fox is the mayor now. I was gonna say, I just like the idea of
0: this guy just taking other people's major <laughs> roles from them when they're too old to play those roles anymore.
2: I like the idea of playing a young Michael J. Fox.
0: If you are a famous guy with brown hair from like the eighties and nineties, this guy can step in for you.
1: <laughs> you are known for vests,
2: and <laughs> he will play your part with not without wearing a vest. Oh,
1: he's gonna be Ernest next. <laughs> I would love to see that. Did,
0: did Han Solo ever wear driving gloves in any of the original trilogy? Yes. Okay, I'm totally blanking out on that. I'm like, is that a nice little touch? Driving gloves.
2: (laughs) It's just weird to call him driving gloves whenever he's piloting a fucking spaceship.
0: (laughs) What what would you call him? Space gloves?
2: Yes, because that's fun. Put space in front of other things. Make it a space thing.
1: Like Han and his space dice.
0: Space gloves sound like what you have to wear when you go outside. Like, into space.
2: I say how much I love how important Han Solo's dice are. That thing I didn't know existed until Last Jedi.
1: It's such a weird retcon. Like oh, that thing that's you can see for one frame in a Star Wars movie has actually been the most important thing. <laughs> it was. It's really weird to me because apparently they were going to include it in the Last Jedi
0: and that scene got cut. So like they've had a hard on for these dice. For a couple of years now, between several directors and someone at the Star Wars group was like, no, they're going in. You mean Return of the Jedi? Uh, shit, I, I meant to say The Force Awakens.
1: Oh, I was going to say, I, you have some serious Alzheimer's <laughs> Ah, please kill me. Uh, I've never seen those days before in my fucking life.
2: I really hope Luke Skywalker comes back and saves the day.
0: <laughs> I mean, everyone talks about them being in A New Hope, but it really is super hard to see them. Like, it, it's such a weird pull that now they're getting close-ups in every Star Wars movie.
2: It almost feels like Solo was exclusively made to make that scene, The Last Jedi, make sense.
1: (laughs) It seems very deliberate that that's the first shot
0: in the movie. Even more confusing, considering Han Solo has been dead since The Force Awakens. (laughs) Like, if they were going to pull this move, it would have made a lot more sense to get people invested emotionally
1: right after he died, not like, oh, that's been a few years. It was funny to watch this and keep thinking to myself, this guy is going to get stabbed in the chest by his son and then fall into a star that explodes.
2: And no one is going to comfort his best friend.
1: <laughs> oh, that's the running drama of Chewie in this movie. Just the dramatic irony of knowing one day he will not receive a medal and no one will hug him.
0: See, I like to think of the movies from Chewie's point of view. And in, in the scene where they're all on Kessel and they're loading up uh, the magic space fuel, and one of the other Wookiees reaches over and pats Han on the head. To me, that's a signifier that all the Wookiees look at humans as basically just like lap dogs. So when when your dog dies, you feel incredibly sad, but you don't expect the other dogs come up to you and be like, hey, man, things are sad now, but they'll get better. <laughs> Chewbacca's probably like, these stupid animals. I love them, but these stupid animals. They all live to be like 70 years old and drop over dead. It's not fair. I love them so much.
1: Uh, have it been confirmed that... Chewie can tell the difference between humans, because it's entirely (laughs) possible he doesn't know Han is dead.
2: Oh, he just thinks Rey's Han this entire time?
1: (laughs) That's why they've bonded.
2: (laughs) Oh my god, is that why um, that that fucking weird-ass alien had to wear Han's outfit in Return of the Jedi?
1: That's why Nia Nub exists to not anger Chewie, (laughs) who has face blindness. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> Guys, these movies are really just Chewbacca's Where the Red
1: Fern Grows. That's all, all I, I
2: can is. picture is fucking Chewbacca walking in on Hannibal killing
1: someone. <laughs> that's so disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, that, see, that's what Solo should have been. It should have been The Notebook with like Leia sitting Chewie down and telling him the story of Han and how they met.
2: That would have actually, I don't know, been vaguely more interesting. Also very hard to do now. Oh, there's CGI. They brought Tarkin back.
0: <laughs> I mean, they did do a practice run of Young Leia, so... There you go. They have that AI on file. That's true. Just pull it up and be like, uh, set the age counter up a little.
2: Or just fucking make it like Poe, and he's just making it all up.
0: The only way to make the solo movie more inconsequential, it's all just a lie that Poe has told Chewbacca <laughs> over like a, a thing of cocoa. <laughs>
1: While they're playing digital chess. Okay, canon. That's what the old expanded universe is. <laughs> it's all either the Calrissian Chronicles or a bedtime story Poe is telling to Chewie.
0: I would like to spin around here, just like in the old legends, I guess, as they would call the EU now. Uh, Chewbacca was like the first and maybe only of the main characters to die. A moon falls on him at some point. <laughs> and this is when they flip the script like, nah, 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 that Chewbacca, he's the sole survivor. Which I'm okay with. More Chewie.
2: Once there was a shot in Solo of Chewie looking up dramatically at a moon, just never knowing that one day he's destined in an alternate universe to die by that very moon. Oh, he's
1: looking at two moons like Luke as dramatic.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's cosmic. I'd say it was really nice to get a movie where Chewie has such a large role and has so much to do. The camera loves Chewie. Where's Chewie a Star Wars story?
0: Where's Chewie? Oh, he's in the corner of the gangster flight ship drinking booze and lots of it.
2: He was so drunk. He was delightful.
1: Chewie's having a good time. Chewie gets to have a jail break.
2: I'm also super impressed. They made Chewie look vaguely younger, which was really unnecessary, by just shortening his hair slightly in the thickness department. <sighs>
1: Like, it's hard to even notice, but somehow it subconsciously registers that this is 30 years younger Chewie.
0: <laughs> Which isn't all that long for a Wookiee, apparently, because he's 190 at the start of this thing.
2: Looked great, though.
0: Do you think Wookiees have, like, hairstyle fads? Like, some of them get Mohawk shaved in at certain points?
2: I think that may be canon, actually.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think that's a Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah. I, I like to think that there's a deleted scene of Chewie telling the entire crew about that time he served heroically in the Clone Wars alongside Yoda. <laughs> While they're all around a cap fire, then there's just a pause and Harrelson's like, that oh, was beautiful, man. Better yet, he just turns, looks at
0: Ryo, Ryo goes, what do you say? And then Chewbacca says it all over again <laughs> for another minute. <laughs> Before Han Solo translates with, I think he might have said his people, his tribe, I don't know.
2: It's funny to think that in every Star Wars movie, Chewbacca probably brings up the fact he fought alongside Yoda, <laughs> but because Han is the one who has to translate for him, Han just doesn't care. So he just uh, yada 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 is over it.
0: I mean, Han never
2: met Yoda. Who were the only characters that met Yoda? I mean, Luke, right?
0: Out of the like original trilogy, Luke and Obi. Yeah, and Obi wans too dead to and death, Vader. say anything. Invader. Invader's too dead to say anything. And now Luke's too dead to say anything. And, the Emperor. and he's too dead to say anything.
1: Oh god, the memory of Yoda is gone. <laughs> Chewbacca's the only one. <laughs> he's keeping Yoda he's alive. <laughs> so now oh I want to see Chewie the end, where he's the last one alive in the
2: universe. How amazing would it have been in The Last Jedi when Luke is going to go burn down the fucking tree? Chewbacca is the one who stops him to give him advice that Yoda once gave him, and he just relays everything that he thinks Yoda would tell Luke. (laughs) It's just (laughs) Chewie's oh, at at a struck, emotional Mark Hamill.
1: God, speaking of, did it make the 10-year-old inside of you so happy to hear someone speak Wookiee to Chewbacca for once in the series? We've all tried
0: very hard. Also, now this just really makes the, me want the new spinoff to be Coco, but with Yoda. <laughs> like, he's trying to get someone to put his picture up at, like, the Jedi stations, just so, like, <gasps> he doesn't fade away when Chewbacca dies.
1: That's the Obi-Wan movie.
2: <laughs> Remember me! <laughs> just, to, just to stay on some sort of serious actually talking about the film <laughs> course here. Uh, going back to that scene, I'm actually really impressed. Um, Heidenreich. Uh, was able to pull off speaking Wookiee in the way that Harrison Ford would have if he had spoken Wookiee at any point in the original series. So you thought that too? Like That that seemed very
1: specific. He gets the finger right. It's weird. He isn't doing a Harrison Ford at all, but he gets all of the subtleties right.
2: Yeah, he does mannerisms. Mannerisms and energy, but he never does a straight-out impression.
0: Yeah, which I think really, really serves here, because if you try and do Harrison Ford, unless you're like Harrison Ford's kid, it's not going to work. But because he's just doing like this proximity of it and more trying to do the character than the person, it really like you, you fall into it after the first 20 minutes. You don't even think of Harrison Ford necessarily in the role anymore. It's like, oh, this is fun. I'm watching this version of Han Solo. Yeah, it's it's not distracting the way I thought it'd be at all.
1: You have that, like, first five minutes where it kind of feels like you're watching a Saturday Night Live sketch, but it clicks in very quickly. The only real hiccup you have with it after that is when Lando shows up and Donald Glover is doing a pitch-perfect <laughs> Billy D. Williams. That is true. Yeah, he is actually
2: going for... He, he's doing Carl Urban as Bones, essentially. Like, it's <laughs> that. Like, there's no difference. The, it's scary sometimes when he goes to say something. It's like,
1: yep. The, the, uh, the hand uh,
2: gesture.
0: Yes! I was just going to say, like, when he's bargaining with Tobias about getting the boot off the Falcon, and he does, like, the, the countdown, I don't like it. I don't agree with it, but it's fine. Like, he just does the perfect, like, three-finger, like, count-off, and it just seems 100% perfect. Donald Glover nails it, which, like you said, is just such a weird comparison, because it's a very different style and noticeable from how uh, Alden Einerreichen can...
2: <laughs> uh,
0: olden, Frank <laughs> wolfenstein. Uh, I mean, olden wolfenstein olden oh, wolfenstein this poor guy he's probably gotten his name his whole life <laughs> like his whole kindergarten years were just us so yeah these two guys go at it very different ways and are very successful in what they're doing but when they meet in the middle it's like oh wait this is unusual why didn't they both do it that way which yeah, it's totally fine it's just suddenly
1: sitting in the theater you notice that discrepancy it's weird. Lando is easily the best thing in the movie, but he also kind of breaks the movie a little bit, <laughs> especially when he comes in and you have that immediate reaction of, OK, why don't why aren't I just watching Lando and L3 go on sexy space adventures?
0: I yeah, we almost make more sense. Mar- uh, Marvel. Uh, Star Wars is at a weird point in their career where I think they want to be Marvel. They want to be able to release two movies a year if possible and get away with it and have both of them be hits. But they also can't do something like Ant-Man. Like, in, in their mind, each movie has to be a big event. And it, each movie's got to be something like The Force Awakens. It's got to be gigantic. And it doesn't work that way. You can't release two movies in a year, I don't think anyways, and have the same splash. Like, you got to build hype up after a little bit. Not every entry can be the main trilogy. So for this one, it almost makes sense in my mind if, if instead of trying to do a solo movie based on one of their most popular characters which is gonna invite a lot of a lot of criticism by nature. You follow one of the less popular characters that we don't know as much about, who is still popular, but has a whole uncharted area where you can explore and do whatever you want and really expand this universe, but still not get the criticism that you might otherwise. Like it doesn't make sense to me that you'd be going with Han Solo over Lando.
1: Especially now that you know the performances are in and everyone really, really loves what Donald Glover is doing. It's also weird when Donald Glover is the name of the movie.
2: (laughs) I think it's worth mentioning how much more of a misstep it seems when we're only a couple months out from Black Panther's release. Yeah. And it just kind of showed that mm, we're in kind of a post-Black Panther world. You really should have made a Lando movie. And everyone's reaction, even people who hate Solo, are like, well, why didn't you just make a goddamn Lando movie? That shit was awesome. You essentially have Lando, you cut to Lando at one point, essentially giving you a pitch for why there should be a Lando movie <laughs> when he's hanging out in his cockpit. In his cape room. <laughs> <laughs> you inter- you like, you reverse engineer an amazing character like L3, and then it's just, it just ends up being a one-off. So now we need a Lando prequel. So it can be <laughs> Lando and L3 hanging out. It's, it's kind of ridiculous.
0: And it's, it's strange because, particularly in the movie, we get Lando partway through the film. Like, we start the movie out with Solo, then it switches tracks again, and all of a sudden he's got Beckett's crew with him. Then he has to switch tracks again, and all of a sudden get Lando's crew with him. It, it feels like it's going through so much so fast. The pacing all of a sudden sort of breaks in the second half, whereas things have been going very smoothly, I think, in the first. And if you just focus on Lando from the get-go and done a whole movie with Lando... Maybe you could have paced it differently, where you wouldn't have to say, how many of these people can we get through, and how many Easter eggs and cameo folks can we get in here?
1: It's weird that you could have kept the plot intact with just Lando as the main character.
2: Pretty much, yeah. The movie's very ill-structured in a schizophrenic kind of way. I I described it after watching it that I felt like I watched someone take season one of Solo and recut it into a two-hour movie. I, I essentially watched a season of a show in about two hours, and it doesn't really quite work that way, where it's like, here's all these new characters. They're dead. Here's all his next crew. They're, most of them are dead, and the other one just leaves. It's like, what the hell just fucking happened?
0: <laughs> Which is a shame, too, because I love that opening crew. Like, watching them do one movie that's just the train heist with a couple of more set pieces thrown in would have been delightful. Yeah. Uh, I John Favreau as Rio is is a blast. I love that alien so much. Like it's it's just a fun, unique little twist on standard Star Wars aliens, where you kind of have like a forearm monkey guy who jumps around the cockpit, who's really friendly, gets a lot of personality in a short amount of time. Isn't a freak like up uh, <laughs> that monster?
2: That poor son of a bitch. He was in an accident. He's actually a
1: human. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh boy, I feel bad now.
1: That's why they gave him Han's clothes to make him feel better, to make oh, him feel like a man. Boy. I actually,
2: in some ways, enjoy how, you know, here's Beckett and his crew, and then Han kind of screws up, but everything just sort of goes wrong. And now it's like Han's attached himself to this person who's in deep shit, who's essentially where Han was when he met him in New Hope. But Han's being kind of a hanger-on, essentially. So we lose that crew, and, you know, it, it changes the dynamic of the film, where you have to kind of build up this new crew that's puts him in like a more dangerous situation. The problem is you kind of repeat the same thing with that. Yeah.
0: Well, plus, because you had that really excellent, I actually love the train set piece. Oh, yeah. Taking up a big chunk of the movie, and then you have to do the setup and another big set piece. It feels like neither one gets quite the attention it deserves. I mean, the Kessel Run is supposed to be like the biggest moment of Han Solo's life because he brags about it for every other movie he's in. And- wait a peek early, Han. <laughs> it's a little sad. Uh, and then when they get to it, like, the actual rebellion on the planet goes way smoother than you'd ever think it would. And even flying out of Kessel, the actual run, since they bent over backwards to fit George Lucas's description of, no, 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 it's not about speed, it's about or time, it's about uh, distance, points, <laughs> kind of feels like it, it's not quite as impactful as it should be. Even though we get the cool Lovecraftian space monster None of it feels like it it's home as it should. And it, who knows? I mean, it's always so easy to say, oh, yeah, if you just made that two hours instead of 14 minutes, it'd be perfect. But it, in my mind, just doesn't have the time to breathe it needs.
2: Yeah, it's and, and there's interesting. You know, it's like the Lovecraftian monster. That's was actually a Howard edition I discovered, which wow. I don't know. It's like something was just always wrong with how things were playing out like every action scene to me goes on too long i I love i absolutely adore the train sequence i think it's one of the most brilliant action scenes ever put in a star wars movie honestly but even that kind of gets repetitive in in parts especially by the end you're like okay thankfully it's over um maybe if the music i actually enjoy the score for the most part i love the cloud riders theme but maybe if the music oh, yeah. was a little bit better than it, it it would work better with the action scenes they chug along more the castle run felt empty I, I didn't sometimes i didn't even know quite what was going on the whole escape pod thing didn't quite work going, going
0: this might be a slight uh direction change but speaking of knowing what's going on in the movie uh apparently a lot of people have had projection issues with this film like it's kind of filmed in a dark and dingy way in the first place and the first time I saw the movie, I could not tell a lot of that shit. Like, I was watching it. Same. It was just tough to make out. Most of the details were lost. And I thought it was the ugliest Star Wars film I'd ever seen. Mine looked like that. And it. then I started – yeah, I was reading online reviews. and like, oh, the cinematography is gorgeous. I'm like, what? What did I miss? Then I started seeing people complaining that apparently, uh, since the film is kind of dark, the projection needed to be bumped up a little bit. And a lot of places, since it's just digital projectors now, it's all automatic settings – There's not a specialist who goes into the projector booth and finely tunes any of this stuff to make sure it gets the attention it needs. So a lot of projections of Solo were underlit, and it makes all these fine detail bits difficult to discern. The second time I saw Solo, it was in a different theater, and it looked way better. I was able to see a lot of things I didn't notice the first time. Granted, some of that could be I knew what to expect, so my eyes were peeled. But I, I feel like it was probably just a brighter projection of it, so it was you know, more discernible. And it really helped with uh, some of the action scenes, like the the whole Kessel run. Much, much easier to figure out what the monster was doing and where the ship was and all that kind of junk
1: uh, the second time around. But even with it being clear, like my projection from what I could tell was flawless. There's still like weird storytelling stuff in that scene that I don't quite get. Like, I wasn't entirely sure what the escape pod accomplished or why they were doing that. Or what happened afterwards? Uh, weird visual continuity was, that's not quite
0: there. They uh, Just a distraction. They launched the escape pod forward. Uh, it would have been better if they turned their lights off, but I think they left them on. Then made a yeah. quick right turn. So the monster goes after the escape pod, gets yeah. stuck in the gravity well while well, they're just out of its reach. So Han was trying to trick the monster into falling down the hole.
2: But the geography of the scene was there all. There
0: is no geography in space.
2: <laughs> the geography of the scene was just all off, though. So it's like, wait, the monster's facing what way? The monster actually has two faces: one on its butt and one on its face.
1: That part's a lie. But yeah, some of that was a little confusing. Regardless, I'm just amazed that in all those years, Han never replaced the goddamn thing. <laughs>
0: See, I was very confused because all the chatter before it was officially announced it was an escape pod was, oh, this is what it looks like when the Millennium Falcon is hauling freight. It was supposed to be like a freighter class vessel as I like push up my nerd glasses. And a lot of people theorized that the two prongs in the front were to stabilize and hold cargo, which make sense. Because when we see the Falcon, like the only space they have for storage is underneath the floorboards, which
2: doesn't seem like a huge amount of room. Wow, that would have made a lot more sense. <sighs>
1: Yeah, there's, that's one of the weird bits of prequel-itis that the movie kind of goes a little bit too far on. Like, I'm not entirely sure why the shape of the Millennium Falcon needs an origin.
0: Yeah, I, well, it's, I mean, it's secondly, according to the movie can just a modification that Lando made. So they normally don't look like that regardless. So I think they're just trying to say, hey, what if we just made a twist on this design? We know what it's going to end up as, but let's have something a little bit different for our film. I don't really mind it. It just seemed like, oh, Hey, it's something to do.
2: I did like the shot of the satellite, uh, falling off during the castle. <laughs> Cause it was just like yeah. subtle enough. It's like, if you know, it's funny. If you don't, you don't, it's just the, the ship getting fucked up. Yep.
0: Yeah. That was, that was nice. I actually saw that the second time. So it was very nice. Yeah. But going off of like connections to the prequels and sequels that are a little odd. I do think putting Darth Maul in there was a super odd choice I'm kind of all over the place with that. The geek fanboy inside of me is excited, like, oh my god, it's Darth Maul! But, on the other hand, it never made a lot of sense to me that they brought him back in the cartoon show. Like, sure you can, and there's a lot of room you could use that character in, but it's still kind of a silly thing. The dude was chopped in half and fell down like a (laughs) 10-mile mine shaft. But the force, Cody. And I heard a lot of people complaining about, not complaining, but confused about this because it muddied the timeline. Like, some people thought, oh, wait, are they trying to say Solo took place before episode one? Which also would make zero sense because the empires are around. Uh, I don't know. Some people were just lost about that. And they could have really picked anyone they wanted. My deep cut would have been like Prince Sizor from uh, Shadows of the Empire. And then would it would have made amazing. sense that this was Crimson Dawn because it should have been uh, what Black Sun. But yeah. nobody, like outside of like hardcore Star Wars fans, nobody would have gave a damn about a green skin guy coming in there. So I can understand why they need someone with more menace. But that was also kind of a very confusing grab that outside of the kids that watch the cartoon series, most of the adults in the audience are probably scratching their heads.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, even if you don't watch the cartoon series, if you're a Star Wars fan, you're a Star Wars fan, you, you know, you've at least remembered Darth Maul got cut in half. You see robot legs, you can kind of make it out from there. But it does leave most people in the dark. Granted, Probably a lot of people just see an intimidating alien dude with robot legs who has a lightsaber, so it's something, hmm. but you are harkening back to a movie that no one really remembers. My problem with maul is i i i like it um for the most part i i I'm fascinated by the implications I think it most now what fits does that with, mean <laughs> yeah it's like what what the fuck what what why even and I don't know quite how it fits in with, like, timeline stuff with, like, the Rebel series and whatnot, but it's interesting. It's mm-hmm. very interesting. Here's my problem. It's very Marvel. And I'll explain what I mean in that Marvel can just have something like that pop up in one of their films that in no way has a lot to do with the film that you're watching. It's just this little thing that pops up that's about larger universe stuff. You don't necessarily have to watch, You know, you know, this character pops up and, like ant-man you don't necessarily need to see that character come back in ant-man he can you know um claw can show up in age of ultron for five seconds and then he's one of the villains in black panther because he's a black panther character now that stuff makes sense you can have characters crisscross appear here appear here be introduced little seeds can be planted for a future movie that's unrelated in this movie you can't do that really in star wars uh, I just don't think it's built that way. I think it's Admiral. They maybe are trying, if that's what they were going for. When there were when there were cameos in Rogue One, you have you you know you have Vader, you have Tarkin, you have Princess Leia. Uh, uh,
0: that one cantina guy who gets his arm sliced off.
2: That dude. Um, he's a scientist. Um, <laughs> Wanted men. Yes. They're all related to the plot. Leia shows up, but it's related to the plot that's what's happening to our main characters in a very specific way. Like, it's not seeding anything when Leia shows up. When Vader shows up, it's because he is the boss of our villain in Rogue One. Maul shows up, it's related, but... It's related in a way that's seeding something else that's completely unrelated to Solo. And there's nothing inherently wrong with doing that when you're using a cinematic universe tapestry. But Star Wars is mostly about contained trilogies or contained films. And I don't think it lends itself particularly well to doing that because the timeline's all over the place. You have prequels, you have sequels, you have movies that take place between. Movies take place before this prequel, movies take place after this prequel, before this other movie. So it just, it doesn't make much sense and kind of breaks the narrative when you have Maul show up. It's cool. It's awesome. It's fantastic to see Maul in a movie again. Uh Just as a fan of, the per- of you know, cartoons and where he's come back and stuff like that and of the character. It's Sam Witwer actually doing the voice returning from the Clone Wars and Rebels series, which I think was super cool. And they made him look like he did in Rebels. But... It's a reveal, but it's a reveal for something that's probably not for this film. And I don't think that just works with Star Wars.
0: Yeah. Like I was saying before, it does feel like they want to hit that Marvel model, but they're they're kind of hamstrung just in what Star Wars is, and they're in a weird growing phase, I want to say. In, in my mind, this is kind of an almost like an Iron Man 2 Ant-Man kind of period, where you've got the producers who want a lot of control and directors who will have personality, but not make the film 100% their own you know they don't need any authors. they need people that will fit with the committee's vision of what star wars needs to be they're struggling against a lot of continuity they want to make these things come out on an annual basis so they've got to connect them all together and make the sandbox feel like it's uniform it's tough to put all this stuff together and marvel didn't get it right on the first try either it took them several years before they were really really good at this stuff And it's unfortunate. I don't know if Star Wars needs to be that. I can understand the appeal. It makes a lot of money. People love it. They talk about it. They see them all. But it's a hard transition to go from a trilogy entry every couple of decades to a yearly release schedule. And in this case, I think it hurt because, you know, they put all this stuff in probably as a seed for sequels, I'm assuming. Like, you know, there's a big crime syndicate now they can jump back into if they want to do another solo. There's the setup with Lando. If they wanted to, they could bring him back in. Uh, There's. Stuff about Chewie's family trying to get back to them. Technically, I, I don't think they did the Wookiee life debt. Sure, Han saved Chewie, but they didn't make a big enough deal out of it where it felt like that was the moment that bound them.
2: That was weird to me, and apparently it was in the script originally, but reversed. And and they were both fighting the Empire. Um, Kasdan talked about it. They were both fighting for the Empire, and um, Chewie actually saved Han's life, and they reversed the life debt where Han is gave himself a life debt to Chewie, essentially, which I think would have been better than mm-hmm. just uh, their buds, I guess. The life debt thing was always yeah. interesting, but that's just kind of thrown out the window here.
0: I feel like, again, maybe that was something they're leaving a thread for next time. On the other hand, though, how confusing and kind of impressive is it that they didn't go to the most obvious thing and just throw Boba Fett in there for any amount
2: of time? <sighs> we did get a reference of DeBosk, though, so...
1: That made me yeah. so happy. <laughs> the amount of deep cut Star Wars stuff that's just said aloud by serious actors in this movie. Like uh Kira's martial art style.
2: <laughs> what a deep cut that was. Holy shit.
0: Ooh. All right. Uh it was cool seeing stuff like the Cloud Speeders, uh, all the stuff in Dryden Boss's room, like the old old uh armor sets, the the general, general, emerald, emerald, <laughs> Emerald The gem, that was an emerald. The gem rolled. Isn't that a Sonic thing, actually? Continue. Maybe I'm making it up. I don't know. Uh, Just all the little neat uh, cameos. I mean, this is the most EU movie of all the movies, so it makes sense. I is farmed. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) I do appreciate that as a hardcore Star Wars nerd. I I don't think it made a great amount of business sense at any point, but I do like seeing that stuff. I, I don't think they should make a habit out of doing fan service the movie series. But every once in a while, it's it's a
1: nice little treat. Well, that's what makes Solo so unique, is it's really the first self-aware Star Wars movie, and it's really surreal to see that. Even with the prequels and their weird little winks to the original trilogy, there's never really a sense of, this knows it's a Star Wars movie. And in a way that I think kind of hurts it in some instances, but... Like even as much as it's a weird scene, it is still kind of amazing to see a Star Wars movie that has a last-minute villain reveal, <laughs> <laughs> treated it like it's a comic book panel, with Darth Maul pulling out his lightsaber for no reason to threaten somebody over a hologram. That was a very <laughs> weird choice. I agree. But yes, we not. know. It's Darth Maul. It's okay. Looky, <laughs> looky, look it. I have toys. Goodbye. Come to Dothamir. You remember Dothamir. <laughs> Although, so hey, I, now Dothamir's canon, so that's cool. Hey. It does make me very happy to know it is finally canon in a movie that Darth Maul lived and has robot legs.
2: Nobody can deny it now. He can be the villain of Obi Wan.
1: I think that's what everybody's pulling for, since there's never going to be another Solo. That's the, the only There is they pre-dedicated to this idea that.
0: All of their properties are actually connected, even like the comic books and stuff now. So considering how things pan out with Rebels, like it it doesn't really work to make Maul and Obi-Wan have like another conflict on tattooing. So they would be shooting their whole philosophy in the foot of like this giant canon empire with all sorts of media spinoffs. They could do it. I mean, there's nothing really stopping them other than a promise to the fans that these things will hopefully kind of tie together with a minimal retcons.
2: Maybe he's the villain of the Boba Fett movie.
1: Oh no, he it's a buddy movie. They go for the same bounty. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about my best friend. Oh, uh, they're just Riggs and Myrtle. I'm too robot for this shit.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Since it's Mangol, what if it was, you know, a a very drought uh, survival drama where they're in the desert and Maul's lost his legs and Boba has to, with his armor failing, drag him through the desert and they both have to try to stay alive.
0: It's actually a remake of what was that? The 1925 movie Greed. It opens <laughs> on to a moral lesson where Boba Fett <laughs> shoots Darth Maul. Now you realize he's handcuffed to him in the middle of the desert, and he's also going to die because he can't drag the body to the gold location <laughs> and
1: back. See, I thought you were going for enemy mine, but you surprised me, Cody. Deep reach! <laughs> That's my own expanded universe
0: deep cut. As long as we're talking about villains in the film, though, uh, how did we feel about Emphis Nest?
2: Nest, I love, I love the cloud riders and kind of the reveal of them. I, I'm not saying it works completely. Um, it it speaks to something I I really like that the film did. I don't even know intentionally though. With everything that happened behind the scenes, with the screenplay being a little bit of a mess, despite mm-hmm. it being the Kazdans. I like something they they ended up doing with the character of Han Solo, which is. Kind of revealing that he was never really a piece of shit. He just really wanted to be, essentially. Uh, (laughs) I I do
0: enjoy how delusional they made young Han Solo. Like, he's very arrogant. (laughs) He thinks he's the world's biggest baddest, but kind of deep down, he's just a soft cookie of a man.
2: Yeah, and I, I really like that he's kind of playing a part. He's playing a role. He has dreams of being this other thing. It's like a kid reading, like, you know... Wolverine in a comic book and really wanting to be Wolverine. But you you actually live in a world where you could kind of pretend to be Wolverine. So you're just going to do that and ignore who you really are. <laughs> and the idea that, that, like, when in A New Hope, when he makes the choice to go back to the Death Star, that's just Han going, all right, I actually do need to just do this. Because that's actually who he was. He's always been, like, kind of the good hero of, of the story. He just got really... Fan obsessive almost like over Beckett, like, like he's building himself up like Star Lord or something would. And mm-hmm. I think that's really, you know, it, it was nice to see the movie actually was saying something about the character of Han Solo that I did not previously know. And with the Cloud Riders and Nest, um I, I don't think it completely works. Um, I think it's a little... Uh, mainly, I think, just stuff Kasdan was throwing in there dialogue-wise with the whole rebellion thing. I don't know what implications he was trying to make. Maybe just unnecessary wordplay or or whatever. And it's a little bit out of nowhere, but I do like the idea of these characters showing up, revealing their true colors of, you think they're, you know, what Han almost is trying to be. A.K.A., um, you know, criminal pieces of shit, but in fact, they're they're virtuous. They're fighting against them. You know, it almost mirrors Han kind of backwards in a way. And Han is able to see the reality of who he's working for and go, Whoa, I'm here for all of like the fun, to to steal an appropriate Indiana Jones analogy, fortune glory uh, of everything. Like, I just like the window dressing. Like, Crimson Dawn's really about like this shit. Like, yeah, we're, there's no, I, I enjoyed how there was no, moral dilemma for Han. He just immediately goes, yeah, we're just not going to give him that stuff. We're still going to try yeah. to get paid, but we're just <laughs> not going to give him that.
1: We're going to crime our way out of this.
2: <laughs> and I think that was like a really brilliant choice of, of character in the movie. It, it maybe is too subtle for its own good. I think, I think you can very miss it as, what's actually the movie's actually about. And I think that's where the characters of the Cloud Riders kind of fail. But they are sort of, they're great underworld characters, Star Wars underworld characters, but they're, they don't quite fit. They're too much from their own movie.
1: I want to see them in a movie that has less going on.
2: (laughs) Yeah, there's too much going on in Solo. That's always what it comes down to.
1: What threw me off
0: was, it feels like something from a previous version of a script was left off. Just it, like when Emphis takes off the mask and there's that big string swell, and it feels like it should be more than, oh, she's fairly young. Yeah, it yeah I, I didn't understand that. <laughs> like it felt well, she, does, like it, it she was... does
2: have a male voice the entire movie.
0: Yeah, but it seemed like they were trying to do maybe an earlier form of the script. In my mind, it struck me that it might have been like a setup like, oh, this is surprise like Beckett's daughter with Fanny Newton's character. Like It almost feels like that was the kind of thing that they're showing, because Beckett looks a little surprised. And maybe that was what they were going for originally. It's all speculation. Like, hey, my parents decided to be criminals, and then I decided to take the opposite path. But that got scrubbed somewhere along the lines, so now I'm just a freedom fighter.
2: I think they just overestimated how like dramatic or revealed it would be that Enfys was both a girl and a young girl. Yeah. It's when like, they throw
0: in this whole heritage thing, like, oh, if my mother had survived and worn the mask, she'd be here and blah, blah, blah. It, it feels like there's some stuff that may be gotten twisted about.
2: Which is cool implications that it's like, you know, a, a female title, essentially, of, of Enfys Nest. But once again, they're overestimating that being like that dramatic a reveal when it's like there's a lot... It's not like there's not a lot of, like, female heroes in Star Wars can, so it's not that weird when she takes off the helmets It's like, oh, it was a girl. Yeah. It's not like a Samus Aran thing. It's not that shocking whenever there's, like, a female lead in one of these things. I don't even think
0: it was a female Force thing. Away. I think it was, it was the fact that she was very young. I think it was supposed to be like, oh, a child is doing this. But, again, it, it doesn't quite come across that way either because it's not like she's 10. So, I, I don't know. There's some stuff that gets a little confused there. I thought it was a really neat I guess not villain, but just antagonist for them to have to deal with. And a kind of a clever twist there that shakes everything up at, at the finale.
3: Yeah.
0: But yeah, parts of it felt a little under delivered, which is a bummer because it's such a cool design for a character. I like even the score is a lot of fun whenever she pops up.
2: And even the Cloud Riders going back to EU think it is a deep EU cut. That's from like early issues of Marvel's Star Wars.
1: Wow, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, completely
2: oh, yeah. different. They they are literally just like a biker gang Han got like into like in his early days or something. Um in that like so they're completely different here, but that's what they went off of. To go back to Deep Cuts uh and Shadows
0: of the Empire, boy, did anyone else think the train sequence was very similar to the, the fight scene between Dash Rendar and IG eighty eight from Shadows? <laughs> oh yeah, I kinda of wanted that, the music. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I really wanted the music in there. <laughs> the whole time I was sitting there, I'm like, oh my
0: god, it's my childhood on the screen. Uh.
2: And then you started yelling because you kept falling off into that yes. ozone of <laughs> over nothing. over
0: and over <laughs> and over.
1: <laughs> that kind of does speak to what's sort of the Achilles heel of Solo and keeps it a pretty good movie and not a great movie. I think it could have easily been. It's, it's just so... Overburdened with stuff that's constantly tripping over its own dick. It's like yeah, it's... I mean, you
0: got the Cloud Riders, you've got all the Dryden Voss shit, too. Like, he's trying to bump in there and make himself a full fledged villain by the end. All this stuff with the relationship between Beckett and Han, Han's upbringing, Han getting off Corellia,
1: the love story, the friendship between him and Chewie. There's a lot of threads being thrown into this and mashed together. And I really like the movie we got, and it's kind of a miracle we got a movie this good. But it's hard to watch that and not picture in your head the way more slimmed down, like, straight noir version of Solo that the movie occasionally tries to be. Because there's kind of a dichotomy between a more noir story and a more rousing Star Wars adventure. And for the most part, it gets the Star Wars stuff right. But... I kind of feel like it's trying to serve two masters in that sense. And that's where you get stuff like the Cloud Riders, which are very much classic Star Wars characters, but also kind of feel like they're from a different movie.
2: You just kind of feel like you're watching a list of ideas for what the movie could be. And we're still in the kitchen sink script phase.
1: Very much so. But God, how delightful is space gangster Paul Bettany? (laughs) It's always nice when he pops up in things. I especially
0: like the, uh, all the practical aliens inside his gangster ship. Like the the <laughs> singing pair was a lot of fun. I thought that, that was a, a really good return of the Jedi kind of
1: vibe. Yeah, it was just it's a neat amount of set dressing that doesn't add up to a whole lot, but it's it's fun. I I just love how Bettany doesn't act like he's in Star Wars at all. Oh no. Like, I like how that's the accidental through line with the spin-off villains so far is none of them realize they're in space. <laughs>
0: I like how he has vibroblades instead of any sort of blaster. Like, that's always been one of those things that's been hilarious to me in Star Wars. Like, everyone can carry this gigantic blaster with them, but instead you'll always have, like, a main bad guy who decides, no, 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 laser swords, but tiny.
2: That's elegant, I, I, Cody. I just like how he had a lightsaber thing that was already on a knife. so it's just completely redundant
1: double cut the knife is actually for making sandwiches (laughs) it's it's no good in close quarters combat
2: but god was betony just fucking delightful just putting on such a strange polar opposite of what you'd expect performance but just as if he's in a mom movie though i think that's what's great is like you're so tense every time he's on screen while finding him delightful
0: There's uh, kind of a fun Hans Landa thing he does, too, at the end of the movie when he's talking to Kira about her her trustiness. And on the second watch, you know, oh, yeah, he already has all the information from Beckett that these guys are screwing him over. It's fun to watch it knowing that his character is playing it, kind of toying with them. Like everything he says basically has double meaning and he's trying to get them to trip up or he's just pushing
1: their buttons and see how much they sweat. Oh, yeah, that finale is so fucking good. That's easily my favorite part of this movie. Yeah. So, yeah, not a lot for the
0: guy to do, but that's fine. His role didn't require more, and it's Paul Bettany, so it really makes that little bit breathe more, much more than a lot of other people could. So, yeah, keep putting Paul Bettany in things. Stop killing him.
1: <laughs> Please. Stop killing him over and over again in the same film. <laughs>
0: if you can avoid killing him three times in one movie, it, it'd be super.
2: Things are looking up for him then.
0: <laughs> I only died one and a half times in this film. I'm in a coma. I might come back for the
2: second. So um, before we uh, start wrapping things up, can I bitch about something, though? Uh, yeah, all right. Okay, good. So L3, the character of L3... I have not, not, not. I don't have any problems with the characters. I love L three, as we all do. How can you not? You love L3? You like
0: robot slavery, don't you?
2: <laughs> here, I don't like
0: our politics.
1: That's it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> here, cuck. Um, here, I'm just going <laughs> to just leave it at that.
1: Tiny little cock ball.
2: <laughs> here is my problem, and not just because L three died. Um, though that is a problem. It's what then takes place. Because this is the idea that they had. Hey, what if, since it's kind of been hinted at, that the Falcon has, I think in canon, Falcon technically has like three uh, android brains, essentially droid brains, uh, for like each function of it. And, you know, we've seen 3PO talk to the Falcon before. But it's also up in the air is how much, whenever droids talk to a computer, how much they're just... Pretending a computer is a real person and it's actually an AI. But so like, oh, what if and Lando had a droid It died? They had to put it into the navigational thing. And what if we made it like really cool? And they worked back from backwards from that idea, from the end point of the idea into a character. Here's the problem. They didn't then look at the big picture of that idea to see how it actually played with their original endpoint. So you have L3 be you know, essentially a robot social justice warrior who is fighting who actually brings up the thing everyone's kind of danced around with Star Wars, which is the whole <laughs> robot enslavement thing. Masters just and whatnot. <laughs> uh and actually bring that up and make it like this really great character as everyone's saying like finally star wars has like a woke character a woke (laughs) droid and where you end that character up is what would be existential hell for that character (laughs) like that character is then enslaved have its has its brain put in against its will into a ship now it's lando's ship you could you could argue it's like oh lando gets to have l3 live on at least, if, you know, maybe if if it was actually Lando's idea, um, Han then steals the Millennium Falcon at the end of the movie, and <laughs> he wins it, it fair and square. True, but still he, he it, takes it from him. He takes it from Lando, which that ship is now L three, takes it away from Lando, despite it being very clear Lando and L three have a relationship, and uh, everything about that is wrong and really seriously fucking bothers me
1: especially when you look at the original trilogy and know that han then honored l3's memory by mistreating droids for the rest of his life (laughs) i think they shot themselves in the foot They, they really like when they're pulling the guts out of
0: l3 it starts off innocent enough like hey we need her database grab that out and then Lando keeps saying things, which makes it.
3: Yeah, <laughs> part
0: of the ship now. We need a piece of the robot too. We can make her a part of the ship. Grab her like artificial intelligence units. It's like no, 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 no! Don't say that. That makes it sound like she's still alive. And it's it's perfectly fine if you're just saying like, hey, improve the ship by grabbing like her knowledge banks. You can dance around it then, and maybe hint at maybe there's something else going on. Because even in I want to say something like a New Hope, C three PO makes a offhand comment like, oh, the ship has a weird dialect
2: it's empire Which,
0: yeah so uh, going further than that and really heavily suggesting that now you've got a thinking ship my soul my robot soul is stuck in your ship our probably, silicon soul yeah i have no mouth and i must
1: scream <laughs> probably <laughs> probably not the way you want to go well two things with that one that plot point suffers in part due to them not really telling you what any of that means So your mind is kind of left to gravitate to the worst possible outcome. It also reduces what Han Solo did getting out of the Kessel Run. Like a robot plotted his course
0: and then he just did what the robot said. It's almost like, oh, Han Solo, what a schmuck. He can't even fly this thing
1: solo. Two, it's frustrating because you could amend all of that with two lines. Have L3 not die immediately and say she wants to be part of the ship because then it's actually a character arc. Exactly. Like, oh, above everything else, she just wants to be with Lando, and she's willing to make that sacrifice. That's a thing. It, it really does feel like she should be saying more as she dies, I of,
0: Lando, Lando, malfunctioning. Uh, although, then it's even worse if Solo steals the ship in the end, if she's like, I want to be with Lando forever.
1: <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. You you Then you can have Lando at the end, like, have them bring that up, and Lando say, oh, well, she didn't like me anyway, since they have kind of a contentious relationship. You just have them say, "Oh, she she'll be happier spending her years sailing the universe with Han." Like, you can bullshit some kind of way to make that okay. I'm just going to pretend that
0: once you're a slave, you're an undead zombie. You like are you a <laughs> ship slave? You're just a, an undead zombie. Like you don't think, you just compute. One would hope. There there's just a lot of ways hope. to
2: fix it. And they just didn't think it out. Like it's great they made such a character like L3 and just such a great character. In general, but yeah, no, like you made something accidentally really, just to use the word, problematic.
0: <laughs> this just honors Star Wars' long history of treating droids in the worst possible ways. <laughs> it's Star Wars tradition at this point. Also, boy, uh oh, man, a terrible time to go into it. But I've seen so many insane complaints about Star Wars recently. It just blows my mind and I hope we haven't come off that way. Like, people people have complained about Star Wars uh, because Han Solo doesn't say, I have a bad feeling about this. He says, I have a good feeling about this, and that made people livid.
1: <laughs> I didn't get that at all. Like, I have issues with callbacks, but I actually thought that was a funny one. Like, oh, this is happy little boy, on Yeah. not like cynical it. yet. It's a joke. We're going on an adventure.
0: There's There are honest god adult men who have flipped their lid because he didn't say the line that's been said like eight times before. It, it, it's amazing how slavish people want the films to be, but also get mad when they're not doing anything new.
1: Wait, is this like a cabin in the woods thing? Are the elder gods going to come? <laughs> Somebody <laughs> didn't say I had a bad feeling. <laughs> he didn't oh, no, follow we can't due flip process. The switch. <laughs> I, I'm so upset
0: that Star Wars fans have become the worst thing about Star Wars and they, they make it like I have to refer to Star Wars fans as they now instead of my people. I grew up with Star Wars. I love Star Wars. I, I used to watch it religiously as a kid, like the rental place should have just given me a copy of it. and And now it's embarrassing to admit that you love Star
1: Wars because so many of the people out there are just horrible people. To be fair, like there have been a contingent of Star Wars fans who have been insufferable since Return of the Jedi. That's They've always true.
2: been there. They just won't shut up now.
1: There's a reason Star Wars fan is a punchline. It's like, it, it was always a bit of a problem. They just have Twitter now.
0: Yeah. Well, there's only one option. You have to kill me and make me part of this show forever.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I always knew it was going to end
2: this way, That's, <laughs> a, that's a, it. That's it. That's the thing. If we did that against your will without you asking, well, oh, that I don't would want be against die. Cody's wishes. But since you're no, saying, I'm... hey, can I become part of Box Office Pulp forever? Well, then that's okay.
0: No, I don't want this to happen. I'm just saying that's the only way it works. This is fate. It's unfortunate.
1: Is this We're in a Greek you... tragedy. Is this how you finally become Box Office Pulp guy? This that's is... why he wants to kill himself.
0: This is Quizmotron Origins. Quizmotron a box office pulp story coming to a theater never.
1: <laughs> box office pulp recommends having your still living brain matter violently shoved into a computer tower. I've got a bad
3: feeling about this.
2: I'm sorry, I'm just imagining a box office pulp guy having a um, prequel spinoff that's about the first time he tried heroin.
0: <laughs> Oddly enough, it still connects to uh, Tales from Java's Palace.
2: I say, oddly like enough, the Darth Maul still shows there. up randomly.
0: He's in there too. Yeah. Oh, he gets his Bop. own chapter. It's a lot of fun. Bop Guy was the cosmonaut. <laughs> Back in the old days, that would definitely be a thing. They'd be like, ah, oh, surprise twists. Here's his untold story. He also had the Force, and he crashed his super destroyer. Also, he's cousins with Darth Vader,
1: but we never knew that. Meanwhile, Space Satan is just Satan. They can never take that away from us.
2: I knew it. Also, can I just make one box office pulp guy joke before we get the hell out of here? You get one. Box office pulp shot first when he was cleaning his pistol and accidentally blew the head off his three-year-old son. <laughs> Good
0: night, and everybody. And that is the
2: darkest origin I could have gone with for box office pulp guy. That's,
0: I'm trying to drag you off with a giant shepherd's hook. That's been box office pulp <laughs> Get the hell out
1: of here you can find our other shows uh the magic of the star wars everybody <laughs> sandman comes out with a vader mask <laughs> and sweeps you off the stage
2: <laughs>
1: good after they're
0: crying they're susceptible to our other shows hit them with the advertisements
2: if you'd like to complain about that joke, please tweet at us at box Office Bulb on Twitter. We're also on Facebook at Facebook.com slash box podcast, and you can of course find us, subscribe, and like us on iTunes and Stitcher.
0: Are we still promoting the other shows? Or how's that
2: work out? Like, it what's, depends what's on like how horrible of a joke we end on.
0: Okay, so we're just gonna cut it there then. Alright. <laughs> you folks have a good night. See you around. And like that He's gone. This is Box Office Pulp Guy, and this has been a Pulp Podcast Production. Now please, 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 put a gun in my mouth and pull the trigger and say goodnight.
3: And now, on with the show. There are a lot of issues that plague the (laughs) Greetings and salutations, kiddos. It's me, your old goblin in crime, Roderick Kingsley. Here with a special message for you, my adoring public. You may have noticed lately in my many, many appearances that I've had a bit of a spring in my pointy-booted step. No boys and girls, the secret to my success is no wonder drug or mere miracle diet, but an elixir of the spirit. And, like a Halloween-themed Jehovah's Witness, I'm here to spread the good news like a bombardment of pumpkin bombs. The good news of graphic novelism. But, Uncle Hobgoblin, you ask? What is a graphic novelism? Don't I- interrupt me, you little stat! But yes, the tenets of graphic novelism are qu- quite simple. A love for the comic book form in all of its forms. A rejection of the complacency that keeps it from reaching further heights. And, most importantly, a refusal to fall into the dark pool of negativity that has straight- strangled the life out of this culture for too long. Since becoming a de- devout graphic novelist, I've rebuilt my goblin game from the ground up, soaring high above my fears and insecurities, as though there were the skyline of New York City. And all you have to do to walk this path is look deep within yourself and send your credit card number care of the OG Hobby at com. Or if you want to be a total Norman about it, just listen to the Graphic Novelism Podcast, where Alex Cook, James Lewis, and Mike Napier... Preach their love for the medium, and warn against those that may do us harm. Remember, ladies and gents, if you want to be the Hobgoblin of whatever it is that you do, listen to Graphic Novelism, subscribe to it on iTunes and The Stitcher, leave a rating and a comment, give Hobgoblin all of your money, and for God's sake, kill Spider-Man! another
2: episode. That was just a little taste of graphic novels.
0: (laughs) I'm laughing, but that might be our most tasteless end joke.
1: Yeah, that's really offensive to people who murdered their children. I'm sure they're not going to listen
3: now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Look, they're in prison. They got a lot of time to think. This is the one time I don't think about the kid I killed when I'm listening to podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) You ruined it. You blew it.